In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. I was reading recently about a, a Swedish underground military facility on an island near Stockholm. It's called Moscow. It's a large naval base built underneath a mountain. Just to give you a sense of how large this underground base is, the hospital alone within the facility holds over holds over 1,000 beds. And Moscow engineers blasted out 1.5 million cubic meters of stone in order to build it. And they began construction of the base around 1950. It was completed 19 years later, 1969. Again, during the construction, about 1.5 million tons of rock were removed. The Moscow base had three docks originally designed for destroyers and submarines. And it's connected by 20 kilometers of underground roads. There's a three-kilometer-long, dangerously narrow road tunnel uh, running some 70 meters under the sea level, connecting the mainland and Moscow Island. And during the Cold War, the underground facility was kept highly secret. Not much information about it was known to the public for many years. Then in 2004, the Swedish government decided the Navy should be concentrated to two bases only, 
and much of the Moscow base was closed, and today some parts of the facility are still used by the military. So, having read that about Moscow, I think it would be very naive to believe that there aren't similar secret underground bases here in North America, perhaps bases that are far deeper under our feet, far more expansive than we can imagine. Perhaps these underground bases are connected with complex systems of secret tunnels crisscrossing North America, and within those tunnels, high-speed maglev trains. If this all seems too fantastic, consider this. In 1987, the Deputy Director of Engineering and Construction for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers gave a speech at an engineering conference entitled Underground Facilities for Defense, Experience and Lessons. In the first paragraph of his speech, he states the following. After World War II, political and economic factors changed the underground construction picture and caused a renewed interest to think underground. As a result of this interest, the Corps of Engineers became involved in the design and construction of some very complex and interesting military projects. Although the conference program indicates the topic to be underground facilities for defense, experience and lessons, I must deviate a little because several of the most interesting facilities that have been designed and constructed by the Corps are classified. He then went on into a discussion of the Corps' involvement in the 1960s in the construction of the large and elaborate NORAD base buried deep beneath Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. This is just a public statement, but you'll not find a more significant public admission of secret underground bases than this one. People speaking is not the only evidence available. There are actual documents obtained by researchers through the Freedom of Information Act that shed more light on the subject and clearly outline plans for the construction of underground facilities. These are documents available which expose a deep underground command center that was to be built far below such, uh, or sorry, far below areas such as Washington, D.C. and China Lake. California. Uh, China Lake, California, during the Cold War. Documents available show that in 1964, the military was considering building a huge underground cavity 4,000 feet deep beneath China Lake. It's well known the United States and the Soviet Union created a vast infrastructure to support a complex of offensive and defensive weapons during the Cold War. This infrastructure include, included sites and facilities for developing testing, storing, and manufacturing weapons. There was also a host... Oops, sorry, my computer just went blinko there for a second. Let me see if we can get that up and running while we're live and on the air. Sorry about that. Uh, in, any, in any event, um, there's probably very few people who know more about said underground bases, rumors, myths, legends of underground bases, and perhaps the reality of underground bases. Richard Sauter is the author of Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files, which is about secret underground bases, he's experienced first-hand contact, first-hand contact with a variety of paranormal phenomena, convincing him that there is much more going on than what we are being told. How far down do these bases go? What leaks are coming from the classified world? What has the U.S. Navy planned for beneath the ocean floor? Are there bases beneath the ocean floor? What's going on beneath Washington, D.C.? Are there, as I mentioned earlier, high-speed underground maglev systems? What is the connection with UFOs and the alien question? 
Hidden in Plain Sight Beyond the X-Files is a book that truly goes where no other book has gone before. It's a must-read for any and all who are seeking to understand the full magnitude of the matrix-like reality of our civilization. Using a combination of archival research, on-the-scene investigation, and first-hand interviews, Richard Sauter takes the reader into a world that is under the ground and under the ocean. It's a world that we are supposed to think is impossible. And yet, after reviewing his evidence, it seems all too likely. Richard Sauter, how are you? Thank you, Richard. I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm doing better than I was a couple of years ago. Thank you. How do you mean you're doing better than you were a few years ago? What has happened in the last couple of years to you? Well, I, I was I was almost killed a couple of years ago and and I spent several months in the in the public hospital system here in Ecuador and I want to thank the um, public hospitals for giving me a space to recuperate for a few months. Initially, I couldn't even stand up. I couldn't take one step without falling over. I basically lost most of the function of my legs, especially below the knees. But I've slowly rebounded and recuperated. Some people think there may have been alphabet soup, American alphabet soup involvement behind the scenes. And what happened to me, I couldn't tell you that that is the case. In any event, um, I was assaulted and nearly killed. Uh, I survived the attack. I'm still recuperating a little more than two years later. And so it's my pleasure to spend an hour talking with you. Uh, now, if we connect the dots a little bit, is it because of the information that you've divulged regarding secret underground bases? Is that the reason perhaps there was an attempt on your life? I don't know. I couldn't say. Um, I'm also an anti-nuclear activist and have been for many years. Um, I've spent time incarcerated in the United States for my nonviolent anti-nuclear uh, peaceful protests. I'm also a blogger uh, and have been blogging for uh, ever since I've been in Ecuador, which is four and one half years. So I, you know, Whatever I might say about the motive behind the attack on me would be speculation. What I can tell you is that I was very nearly killed. It was a close call, and uh, I barely survived. It's two years later. I am still recuperating, and so I'm very happy to be speaking with you this evening. What you have said about underground bases is all true. Uh, there's no question that these facilities exist. There are many of them, and not only in the United States. They are underground, and as I have been told, and as my research indicates, also undersea. They can be quite elaborate, quite deep, quite large, and quite technologically sophisticated. People really need to wrap their heads around the fact that they have been massively lied to and the world is seriously different than we have been told. Well, uh, you know, if, if we've learned nothing from Edward Snowden, uh, who shed a great deal of light on this black budget world and the idea that, you know, there is a, we're living in a world full of these special access programs and they have siphoned off uh, trillions of dollars every year, trillions every year to to uh, uh, conduct these black op programs. And, and how much of that money has been funneled into these underground bases, do you suspect? Well, you can't 
put a dollar figure on it, you see, because it's compartmentalized. But I would say a, a great deal has been lavished on underground bases and tunnels and undersea facilities. And also my research from time to time in my research, I, I got indications that probably this business of tunneling and building secret under, shall we say, subsurface facilities may well extend to the moon and possibly to Mars and other bodies. Wow, underground, underground bases uh, on the moon. Yes. Well, I, you know, in my first book, uh, and by the way, all of my books are linked to from my blog site, which is linked to from from your website, I believe. That's correct. But but so you can get all all three of my books that are currently in print. But in my first book, um, underground bases and tunnels, what is the government trying to hide? I gave towards the end of that short book, which was my first cut at this subject matter, uh, a little bit of documentation from one of the documents. I obtained, I believe, from Jacobs Associates Engineering Firm. There was an allusion to transporting a so-called subsaline tunneling machine to the moon to make subsurface tunnels on the moon. And that was circa the 1970s, something like that. So it did not, the document did not say how the subsaline machine, nuclear powered by the way, would be taken to the moon. Um, my guess is it would perhaps be taken by some of these heavy lift black triangles because I don't believe that using chemical rockets is a feasible way to transport pieces of machinery that are hundreds of feet long and weigh, you know, hundreds of tons to the moon. I strongly suspect this heavy lift anti-grav uh, black triangle technology is in use uh, by the compartmentalized programs in the American uh, military-industrial complex and has been for some time. Now, I have talked to a lot of individuals uh, from a variety of uh, backgrounds, both military and non-military, hard science and non-science, um, right across the spectrum. So um, without being too specific, because one of the conditions that a lot of people have for speaking with me is that I not out them, the, the reason being that um, uh, the penalties for breaking security oaths in the United States military-industrial espionage complex can be quite severe. Oh, yeah. These people play uh, for keeps. <laughs> no question. Oh, they play – Richard, they play for keeps. By keeps meaning – um, they will take you out. They will do unspeakable things maybe to your family. Uh, taking away your, your lifelong pension is the least of what they can and will do. They kill people. As one of my, uh, there's one man I knew for years who worked for United States Air Force Intelligence. And I talked with him uh, about many things over the years. Uh, and w one day, we were talking, and I asked him if he had ever been approached by the CIA to work for them. And he said, oh, yes. And I said, well, what did you tell them? And he said, well, of course, I turned them down. And I said, why? And he said, well, Richard, the CIA 
even kills their own. So why would I want to work for them? And, and that's true. You know, there's no honor among thieves. And when you're talking about the American intelligence agencies, especially, but not only the CIA, um, they are vicious, equal opportunity assassins, and they will just as gladly stab one of their own operators in the back as they will blow out the brains of someone else. So when you when you're dealing with these compartmentalized programs, if you're in, you're in, and you never get out. What my perception is, is that a fair number of people who get involved in these projects find out uh, the deep wickedness that is often involved, stealing money by the millions and the billions and the trillions is one aspect of it. Uh, Another aspect of it is, as I just alluded to, they kill people. And it's 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 just nasty what can i say well and uh, i believe to what end though I believe, to what end are these well, to, bases being to the constructed end of control control all right but what, control what, of the earth control of the earth uh, everything above the earth everything on the earth everything below the earth these are incredible control freaks and yes i have talked to people who've been in the bases who've worked in them who've helped construct them I've talked to people who 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 know about them uh, just from a lot of different perspectives. For example, you mentioned Navy personnel, and I've talked to a fair number of people in the United States Navy over the last 20 years, and I am very satisfied that there are undersea bases, manned undersea bases, and also that there are submarine bases, I mean bases that accommodate large military submarines on both coasts of North America with access tunnels that come in from undersea. Uh, and you have to understand these large military submarines are, um, my God, they're five, 600 feet long, which is on the order of up to 200 meters long or 200 yards long. They're, they're enormous. And the the height of them, they can be a hundred feet or more from the bottom of the hull to the top of the conning tower. So we're talking about 30 meters or more from the bottom of the hull to the top of the conning tower. So they're, they're massive ocean going vessels. And so you can imagine the advances that have been made in marine engineering to create tunnels under sea that can accommodate vessels of this size and then airlocks that are that massive that these submarines can go into undersea and then either travel into bases that would be built down in the solid rock in the seafloor deep beneath the surface of the sea or they could enter tunnels and then travel through the tunnels and come into underground bases or dry docks that would be inland in coastal areas, but inland. And this technology uh, has been under uh, research and design since at least the 1960s, which is 50 years ago, a half a century ago. So we're talking about uh, projects that are well advanced. The technology is just mind-bending. And I recently did an interview 
on the radio where the host actually was um, an ex-member um, of the United States Navy. And I got to talking about the Altec facility in the Bahamas on Andros Island. This is off the southeast coast of Florida mm-hmm. uh, in the northern Caribbean Sea region. And that has been, on Andros Island, a United States Navy base for over half a century, going back, I believe, to the 1950s. Um, he said, my research was pointing that direction, but I had no corroboration. But he corroborated for me that, in fact, there is an underground submarine base there, and the submarines come in through underwater tunnels, and then there is like a, a dry dock area where they can uh, berth, tie up at the dock for repairs. And my research indicates that this type of base has been planned for by the United States Navy since the 1960s. I have documentation from the Navy. And pardon me, I took a drink of water. And also from the Stanford uh, Research Institute in California, both from the mid-1960s to late-1960s, calling for the construction of these major manned undersea bases, which could even be either along the coastline of North America, for example, or any other large land mass, or could be accessed from islands anywhere in the world, such as the Bahamas or Bermuda, as one, another example, or Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. There are many examples, you see. Let's see, England is an island also, isn't it? Yes, um, indeed. Or, or, or they could be accessed uh, in a deep-sea environment. The way that would happen, as per the documentation I obtained openly, it wasn't classified, is that um, using petroleum industry technology, they would use great big bores and bore huge cylindrical holes in the ocean floor right in the bedrock. They could be 8, 10, 15, 20 feet in diameter. And say you you drill a, a perfect hole 100 feet deep, and then you insert a huge stainless steel cylinder in that hole and cement it into place with fast uh, solidifying underwater cement. Then you have um, an airlock on the end of that tube and use that airlock to evacuate the water from the tube and then you pump in a breathable atmosphere. And then you see using submarines, you send down crews, highly trained tunneling crews, and you put them through that airlock along with drilling equipment, and they go to work there undersea and then tunnel out from that initial borehole, and then submarines can come, and with their airlocks, they can lock on to that airlock on that on that tube, and that's the means of access. And then as you go uh, and burrow further, you can make an entire undersea labyrinth in the bedrock beneath the sea. Do you see how that's done? Uh, well, as best I can wrap my head around an undertaking like that. So we, they are tunneling under the ocean. But again, I, get, uh, I mean, who is doing this? Are we talking primarily, is this a, a globalist regime that's in charge of this? Or is this I uh, suspect, I suspect. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that when I was researching my last book, I was contacted by a man who told me of a facility he knew 
Noah from his work that was being constructed in the Gulf of Mexico. He told me by Parsons, which is one of the major civil engineering companies in the United States. And um, so there's an example of a corporate facility. He didn't know the purpose of it, but he worked in an industry that provides equipment that is only used in deep underground mining context so that when he was told by this company that they needed this equipment that his that he uniquely provided for for use in a facility in the Gulf of Mexico he knew instantly it had to be an undersea facility actually burrowed down in the bedrock what's being stored down there all kinds of things from the documentation that i have seen uh, in the planning documents, um, there were three things that popped up. Nuclear missiles, nuclear bases, uh, submarine bases for the submarines to come and go and for the crews to just stay, you know. Instead of patrolling for half a year at a time, it would be more comfortable to go in a place where you could play ping pong and lift weights and uh, et cetera, have a library and on and on. Um with normal kitchens. Another thing is uh, scientific uh, facilities for studying geology and geophysics and also mining. You know, if you had your own private uranium mine or gold mine or platinum mine, just think of it. You could make billions of dollars and uh, it would be all yours. So there's, there's plenty of incentive Right there, from, what if, from mining sure. alone. What about uh, underground facilities or under-ocean facilities uh, that would be used to house individuals in the event of some cataclysmic event? And I'm, when I say individuals, I mean we're talking about the elites here, this breakaway civilization, yeah, for example. Yeah, I believe, I, believe I, I believe that's probably going on. But because you're dealing with very tightly compartmentalized projects, I doubt you will find any documentation on the public record. I looked, and I didn't see any. I don't think you will find it. The other thing is secret prisons. You know, uh, Richard, a lot of people disappear on this world every year. Thousands and thousands of people disappear. I presume some of them, for whatever reason, are being held in secret prisons. I've been reading a lot also about this uh, this China Lake uh, installation or underground installation, and uh, you have been in contact with individuals that have told you about that. I've heard that this is somewhere on the order of 4,000 feet below the surface. I mean, are there any clues, any, um, any hints uh, above ground as to what lies beneath? Not necessarily. Sometimes there are. And sometimes there are not. Uh, these facilities can be cleverly disguised. They can be accessed from tunnels that originate miles away from where the facility proper uh, may, be, may be sited or situated. So uh, sometimes, yes, there will be infrastructure above ground that you can see and you will say, aha, there's something here below the ground. In other cases, no, there wouldn't necessarily have to be any surface indication. So uh, there may or may not be. And what I can tell you is that uh, even already, uh, in the documents I saw 
from the 50s and 60s in the, in the past century, there was discussion as to how to camouflage these types of facil- clandestine facilities. And I believe the technology for concealing these things is probably considerably advanced these days. Uh, they can be anywhere, beneath a, a large city, beneath a small town, in a desert isolated area. They can be beneath mountains, beneath the sea, beneath a marsh. What you see above ground or on the surface, uh, it, you may perceive the surface as being very uninviting, but you see that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what is going on 5,000 feet down or 10,000 feet down or 13,000 feet down. Early on, in my research, uh, I didn't have a good idea as to how deep these things can be. And now I understand that they can be very deep indeed. As one expert put it to me in, in one of my many conversations uh, with a variety of people over 20 years, I asked him, how deep can these underground facilities be? And he said, well, you know, the state of the art is is a mile underground and today that is that that is a comparative a child's play to go one mile underground and those were his words so i would say conservatively one mile underground and and what is the lower limit is it 2 miles 3 miles 5 miles i can't tell you you see that's compartmentalized classified information what i can tell you is based on the documentation I have found and on conversations with people who know, I can very comfortably say, comfortably say that to go and build a facility one mile down or one mile beneath the sea, uh, that is state-of-the-art for marine engineering technology and for civil engineering technology in our time. I'm thinking about uh, Area 51 or, or Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Um, well, let's talk about Area 51. And, and uh, you know, we've heard about S-4 and different and various levels and, and, and uh, compartments within, uh, you know, Groom Lake. What, what do we know about the possibility of, a, of an underground base there? Oh, yes. Well, you have to understand 90% of Nevada is under control of a variety of of um, United States government agencies, both military and non-military. My research would suggest that the the surface ownership of the land doesn't have too much to do with what's occurring underground. Uh, everything that I have seen indicates to me that uh, there's quite a lot underground in Nevada and that um, let your imagination run. That's all I can say. Uh, Got to ask you about your own uh, personal experience with what you describe as a variety of paranormal phenomena uh, with relation to these bases, Richard. Yes, well, not only with relation to the bases, but to everything on this on this planet and beyond. And actually, that would be quite an extensive conversation time format. Uh, but the brief, very brief Cliff Notes version is that at the age of three, I was uh, had an encounter with uh, what I called the Bone Lady 
all capital letters. Uh, she would be a, I, I would say, a demigoddess if you had to use one word in the English language to describe her. And she downloaded a lot of information to me. That was my initiation into, shall we say, real reality and not the matrix reality. We are born into the matrix reality. There is some truth in the Matrix movie, especially in the first, say, hour of the Matrix movie. But once you um, are caught up into the Matrix, it can be quite hard to remove the blinders unless you get a little help. The bone lady gave me a little... Is she extraterrestrial, interdimensional? bone lady... Well, I'm telling you, the bone lady is beyond that, you see. The Matrix... (laughs) When Once you begin to wrap your head around the matrix or poke it out of the matrix, you realize that a lot of our language is matrix-related and that even words such as terrestrial and extraterrestrial past a certain point are of limited utility Hmm. because we have been so blinded. Our entire mental construct is a prison. This entire planet is operating under the most severe mental and spiritual interference you can imagine. And unfortunately, we're just about out of time. Can we can we make this another date? Can we uh, can we have you back? Yes, on? we can. We can have a series of conversations. When I tell you, if you're going, if we're going into this, we will go very deeply, and that is intended. It's not a pun. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate uh, you joining us tonight from Ecuador. Again, the book is Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files. We'll have you on again, Richard, and uh, we'll we'll do part two of this as we discuss uh, underground bases and the, uh, the connection to the UFO ET issue. I really appreciate your time tonight, Richard. Thank you, Richard. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 